بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد we express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala and we seek blessings upon the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam okay so continuing in our exploration of attributes of hypocrisy again one of the points that I've been repeating is that when you and I are looking at these one of the questions we should be looking at is how much of this, if any of this, describes me? Not meaning when you're looking at this, how much of this describes Muzaffar. I'm saying look at your own self and see if uh, uh, any of this or how much of this describes us. Because it was very common among the companions to be concerned about hypocrisy. It was very common among the super companions, Abu Bakr and Omar, to be concerned that they were hypocrites, even though they were already told, they already promised paradise, they're still worried about hypocrisy. And so, so looking at the attributes that we've had so far, so hypocrisy, so Ayahs 8 through 16. Once again, hopefully you're all experts on this now, 11 through 12. and then 13, and then now we're going to get to IS 14 and 15, and then IS 16. So here we said the problem is lying. Here we said the problem is deflecting criticism. And here we said arrogance. Totally arrogant wrong here. Which is synonymous with devaluing the community. And now we are getting to the fourth attribute listed here of the people of hypocrisy. If we go throughout the entire Quran, we find as many as 30 attributes. And you can even find a book that is a compilation. It's literally called 30 Signs of a Hypocrite. Um, and you can probably find that easily online on PDF. And it is something to, to be concerned about. Uh, this doesn't mean that if you are not a perfect person that you're automatically a hypocrite, but it is important to be concerned about how close am I getting to hypocrisy. Okay, Does, uh, let me know that you can see the Quran on your screen. Yes, okay, very good. So, I have 14 and 15. What is that? So, and when, when, when they're met, and when they meet the believers, they say amanna. They say we believe. Wa and when so when they're alone, when they're in privacy, when they're in privacy with their fellow shaitans. they say inna Indeed, 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 we are with you. Innama nahnu 
we were just making fun of them. So consider the setting here. This person is with believers. We're with you. We believe. Then when they're with her shaitans, we're actually with you. We're, we're just making fun of them. And then to finish off the point, ayah 15 says, Allahu yastahzi'u bihim. So mustahzi'un. Allah yastahzi'u. Allah mocks them with this. Wayumudduhum and extends them in this. Fituhiyan in their in their rebellion, in their transgression, in their crossing of boundaries. Ya'mahun blindly. So the translation, God is mocking them and allowing them more slack to wander blindly in their insolence, in their rebellion. So, how do we describe this personality? When they are with the believers, they say, we're with you. When they're with your shaitans, they say, we are actually with you. We were making fun of them. Thoughts? What would be this person? So two-faced, exactly, Harvey Dent. And so, so well, maybe not Harvey Dent, but yeah. But the idea here is, is that they're behaving one way here and they're behaving another way here. And this was a question that somebody posed a couple of classes ago, and I'm sorry, I forgot who posed the question. I said we'd get to it when we get to IF15. And now we are at IF15. So let me, let me ask this question. When you and I are conducting ourselves in this class, you know, there's a certain type of behavior that we have in this class. At least, I mean, we have one person with this camera on. Mashallah, you get automatic A plus. The rest of you, B. So, so the point is that uh, when we're conducting ourselves in this class, we're conducting ourselves one way. Or if you're at the work environment, you're behaving a particular way. But when you're with your closest friends and family, you're behaving in a very different way. So is that the same thing we have in this ayah, or is that something different? Why or why not? What do you all think? Wasim says no, but I asked two questions. Is it the same or is it different? So which one is it? So in, in the class, your context is different, right? Okay. Your context is a subject, uh, but uh, means how you behave, right? So there is a certain behavior, uh, like the backbone of behavior, or your that that could be the commonality before between why you whether you're in a class or whether you are with your family or with your friends. Like there are some fundamental characters of your behavior that should reflect same, uh, that should not change. So the key here is that there isn't a contradiction. Yeah. So, so in the case of the people in the ayah, when they're with the believers, they behave this way. When they're with their shaitans, their fellow shaitans, their fellow evil ones, they're contradicting their behavior. And they're even saying, you know, we were just doing that to make fun of them. Whereas the example that I gave is we're only showing in professional life or academic life, we're only showing a portion of our personality. Whereas our friends are going to see more, our closest friends are going to see more, our family members are going to see just about everything, even things we don't notice. And then we have the behavior that we have on our own, but still it is the same person. You know, like you would think that, you know, believe it or not, 
as cool as I am in this class, I'm not always this cool. Uh, I mean, obviously, yes, I am. But the, the point is that it's the same person, okay? just more of the same person. And so, yes, the context and the principles, but the key point being a contradiction in behavior. Uh, Judy, you were about to say something. Yeah, I just think that it's more about the integrity of the character. And I'm thinking about being a mom versus I'm a substitute teacher. I'm not going to yell at kids at school the way I might yell at my my kids at home because they're my kids and I can do what I want, but my integrity doesn't change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that 100%. And there's still fundamental aspects of you that are present in both settings. Uh, the nature uh, in which you're implementing your authority will be different because of the setting, you know, just like, you know, my students versus, versus my daughters versus random people, the amount I torment my undergrads, as some of the people in this class can confirm, is, is different than the way I torment my own children. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, also a nurse, so I also wouldn't talk uh, nurse jargon to this class or yeah. to my kids or the kids at school. I would talk nurse jargon to people that understand that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And then again, it's not a contradiction. And it would be different if you were to go home or if you were to tell your kids in the school, okay, my children at home, they're horrible people, right? You know, if you start bad-mouthing your children at home, but then at home you're like, oh, I love you, child, then that'd be something different. So, so basically, it's, it's very hard to tell uh, at the nuance level of the hypocrisy, but at least uh, if you are in a different company and you are bad-mouthing someone, um, that you were before, so that uh, is a very elaborated way, like yeah. self-explanatory. Okay, this is a hypocrisy. Yeah. So, so let's say you know we have a hypothetical person. We'll call him Mosab, and here I'm praising Mosab for seeming so innocent, mashallah, and I'm making du'a for him. But then, if in a different setting, I'm saying nasty things about him, okay, that would be exactly what we're talking about here. tormenting students okay so so here on the screen we're saying essentially that they're two-faced so the idea being contradictory behavior this is especially easy to understand when we're speaking of nifaq fil aqidah people who are willfully fake like someone uh, who today would be an fbi mole or at the time of the prophet, peace be upon him, we gave the example of someone who was intending to leave the deen a week after entering it, you know, with the goal of subverting the whole community. Uh, but then this would also be something that a common believer has to be cautious about, that, you know, is my behavior consistent or is my behavior contradicting, depending on the settings that I'm in, that when I'm in the masjid, I'm super pious, but then when I'm with this people, this group of people, you know, I party in and do all kinds of haram. And then it becomes worse if I'm making fun of one or the other. So for all of these, we've also been trying to make sure we list out what are healthy behaviors or upright behaviors. And so the upright would be speak the truth, consider criticism, Uh, uh, be humble and 
value the community. And then here, it is to be consistent with believers, meaning the way that, I mean, if you're being consistent in the sense that you're behaving like a shaitan in every single place, that's not what we're talking about here. That would be a different type of person, which we call a fasip, which we'll, we'll get to in, in, in a bit if Allah permits us. Okay, so these are four attributes of, of hypocrites. And, and then let's look back at the ayahs to see what are some other patterns. Oops, wrong ayah. Here, I think. Uh, give me a second here. I've now lost the screen. Oh, there it is. Um, if I can just stop for a minute, it was yeah, me that it. asked the question the other day, and what I was—I ah. I don't know that my thought process is like clear enough right now, but mm -hmm. um, I was talking about like someone who follows Islam like by the rules. It's very boxy rule following right. kind of application of Islam and they don't really carry it. They don't act compassionately and kindly and they don't, the things that come out of their mouth don't reflect like mm. <laughs> compassion oh, okay. and kindness. That's actually talking about something different than what we have here. Yeah. 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 Uh, let's, uh, let's come back to that after, That's after okay. we complete today's discussion inshallah, but let's try to discuss that today inshallah, you know, if, if, if time permits inshallah. Yeah. Uh, neither why is being consistent just with the believers what i mean here is the way you behave with the believers should be similar to the way you behave everywhere that's what i'm talking about uh i don't mean you're just consistent only when you're with believers but you're inconsistent everywhere else let me know if that uh if that makes sense. Yeah. okay so when we look at it the attributes of of the hypocrites yeah they say when they're there are some who say we believe in Allah and the last day when they really do not believe. Uh, they say we are only putting things right when they're being told don't make mischief. Okay. They say, should we believe as the fools do? Yeah. And then, where is it, last part, I-15, uh, or I-14. And then they say we believe or they say we are really with you. We're only mocking. There's another subtle point that we can extract here from these ayahs that the people of hypocrisy very commonly are always talking about themselves. And, and so when we're speaking of the people, I mean, so everyone to some degree is going to talk about themselves here and there. But what seems to be the case about hypocrites is that they are very frequently talking about themselves. So when we start getting into the summary, before getting into what IS-16 says, what are some common elements? One we've already spoken about before is that they have distrust, right? The people of Taqwa have very deep trust in Allah that, all right, I'm going to give this money and I trust that Allah is going to take care of me because yeah. I haven't needed this money for the last year. So if it turns out I need it in the next year, Allah who's giving me the money is also the one who's giving me the struggle. So I'm going to get through. Yeah. The people of hypocrisy don't have lack of trust. 
as all of us go through waving levels of trust, the people of hypocrisy have distrust in Allah, which is then compelling why they're behaving the way they're compelling. And then another here we're saying is that everything is me. Me, me, me. So it is a certain type of narcissism as well. One test that's, uh, that you don't want to do while you're in the moment, but when you have time is when you make one of your daily prayers, try to get a sense of what percentage of your daily prayers are focused on thoughts about yourself, right? So it's very easy to get distracted when you're making your daily prayers. So Maghrib will be coming up in, in about an hour and a half over here in Chicago. And so a bunch of people will be praying Maghrib. And as you're praying you know, after you've prayed, reflect upon where your mind has gone. Don't do the experiment while you're praying, obviously. Reflect upon where your mind has gone and try to think of how much of the percentage of your prayer was actually focused on yourself. And, and so the goal as someone is increasing in their faith is that you're thinking less of yourself and you're thinking more of Allah. Now keep in mind, if you're thinking of your family obligations, if you're thinking of your kids, et cetera, that's a variation potentially of thinking about yourself. Because if you're worrying about your kids, what you're worrying is what can you do for your kids? And so, so uh, Isa, we would say, yeah, a hypocrite is a, a particular type of narcissist. Not all narcissists are hypocrites. Not all hypocrites are narcissists, but a hypocrite is a type, usually a type of narcissist, as we're seeing up here. And so this also gives us the point of the journey of faith. And this is coming from the Hadith of Jibril, where the long narration where the prophet, peace be upon him, is approached by this man in, the, in this big crowd who starts asking him, what is Islam, what is Iman, what is Ihsan? And the prophet is answering it. And so part of the journey of faith is that you're moving from Islam to Iman to Ihsan. This is one way to read it all. In the journey of getting closer to God, in the journey of getting closer to Allah, you'll go through deeper levels of faith. And this is sort of like the level of the body, the level of actions. This is the level of the mind. This is the level of the heart, all becoming, going into submission to Allah. But you can also potentially go in the opposite direction. You can go in the opposite direction in two ways. One is rejection of faith externally. And one is rejection of the faith internally, hypocrisy. And then you can even go further away from Allah. And this is what I just mentioned. You talk about it a little bit more. This we find in I-26, which we're not going to get to in this, uh, in this uh, conversation. Or in this course. I... Uh, Maybe. Well, not, well, we'll see. But anyway, so a faucet is an open rubble. 
Meaning this is someone who's shameless. They flaunt their sins. So that would be sort of the far extreme at the individual level. Of course, we can make this at the collective level and you know, then start adding what is a person doing with other people, but that'll make it a little bit more complicated for now. So the point we're making is that the risk of the person who is self-identifying as Muslim in going the wrong way is to go down the path of hypocrisy and then go even further down and be a shameless open rebel. Whereas, so what we're saying is that a hypocrite does not want people to know about themselves. That is part of the reason that they keep talking about themselves, meaning talking about themselves is an act of not just narcissism, but just like the second and the first attributes above, it is an act of deflection. And again, you can have degrees of hypocrisy in your heart. Someone can be a 100% hypocrite. Someone can be a 25% hypocrite. But again, the key is don't look for this in other people. This is a self-evaluation exercise, what we see on this screen. Because I think I mentioned before that I've had students that have taken my classes and then they started pointing to their friends and their roommates that they're having fights with. You are a textbook hypocrite because of X, Y, Z. No, that's not what we're looking for here. Okay. So now actually looking at what the ayah is saying, the ayah is giving us an essence here of, of the hypocrite. So ayah 16. Ula'ika, they, alladhina, they are the ones who, ishtaru, so they're the ones who have bought dalala, they have bought error. You know, like dalin at the end of al-fatiha, bilhuda, they have bought error at the price of guidance. So they sold off guidance and they've purchased error. And so they have no profit. And they have no guidance. And so, so what's taking place here is that our life is a series of choices. Big and small choices. Do I wake up now? Do I wake up later? In Ramadan, do I wake up for suhoor? Do I not? You know, in my case, I do suhoor at iftar time the, the day before or two days before. But anyway, the, the idea here, some of you just don't appreciate sound humor. But anyway, so the point here is that all of us are making choices all day long. Some are big, some are small. And so big choices would be, okay, career choices, or who do I marry, or, you know, a major purchase. And then small choices would be, all right, do I take this turn? Do I take the next turn? But we're making choices all day long. Sometimes, however, the choices are between right and wrong. And so when it's a choice between right and wrong, what that often means is that the wrong choice is going to be potentially really profitable or really beneficial. And so the hypocrite is choosing the wrong choice, path of least resistance, with the result being a double loss. The net profit you're going to get, we're being told, is going to be zero. The net benefit you're going to get is going to be zero. So you may lie on the application for the job. And then you get the job and you get the higher salary than you did in your previous job. 
And again, we're talking about a situation where you feel no compulsion. We're not talking about a situation where you're desperate. And you, you get the job and you get this higher pay. But then what will happen is it'll be net zero gain, meaning perhaps your expenses are also going to go up too. Which often happens when you have a higher salary, your expenses start going up because you start getting other things. And the second loss is you are losing guidance. So a point to think about with choices is every time you make an upright choice, you are reinforcing your heart towards guidance. Every time you're making a wrong choice, you're weakening your heart in the pursuit of guidance. And so the hypocrite, their common practice is to make the choice that seems to be more profitable in a dunya sense. So I'll put this on the screen. So the summary is that they choose wrong, or let's even make it seated. They choose the more profitable route, even if it is wrong. And so the emphasis here is that all of us are making choices. So, so at the risk of stating something that, that might be obvious to everyone going to this screen, the consequences of choices. So, so if you make a choice, if it is an upright choice, one consequence is you strengthen your heart. Your spiritual heart. Second consequence is you get rewarded by Allah on the day of judgment. A third consequence, which you might find to be interesting, I made reference to this, but I haven't actually showed you the ayahs, so let me show you the ayahs now. So if we go from here to Surah 41, and it's somewhere around here. Surah Usilat, and it takes me a moment to find it. Oath map, first, first choice. So Surah 41, Ayah 30. As for those who say, Rabbun Allah, our Lord is Allah, and they take the straight path towards him. Good. And so this is, are those who say our Lord is Allah and afterwards are upright. Our Lord is Allah, or Allah is our Lord, and they remain steadfast. So, so these are people who say, who, who are turning to Allah, meaning they've done the shahada, they've become Muslim, and they are upright in their behavior, in their choices. Then look at what happens. This is something for some reason we don't teach in Sunday school. Angels come down to them and say, have no fear or grief, but rejoice in the goodness of paradise, which you have been promised. Not only in your afterlife, 
But inshallah, every time you make an upright choice. So I don't know how many of you have, have heard this before, but let's pull this up here. So then angels support you. And while writing this, uh, Shelly, you have a question. Uh, yeah, I didn't get a chance to read the Arabic to see, is this Sirat or Mustaqim? You said the straight path. Does it say that? Like in Surat Al-Fatiha? So, uh, can you see it right now? Uh, yeah, just... So, Inna Ladina Qalu Rabbuna Allah. So, indeed, 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 those who say Allah is our Lord, Thumma Staqamu. Okay, so, so that's it's just this one staqamu. word. Yeah. Okay, so that's like mustaqim, right? The root is the same as mustaqim. So, so the root of both of them is qiyam, right, to stand, and istiqama mustaqim is to search to be upright. And here, the common translation would be to be upright or to be steadfast, upright in character. So back to Surat Fatiha. Yeah. We were speaking about Sirat Mustaqim, and there is, you said, the straight, the path of um, gratitude. Uh, so is, uh, is, am I breaking up or is Shala breaking up? Other people? Because I'm having trouble hearing Shala. Yeah, me too. Oh, okay. Uh, Shala, may I ask you to repeat what you're saying because it was breaking up? So, could you not hear me? Right now, I can hear you. Sure. I was saying, I was referring back to, um, okay, you can. Okay, great. Um, Surat al-Fatiha, when we say Surat al-Mustaqim, we talked a lot about the meaning of that and that being, um, and thankful, and thankful. sorry, sorry. We, we, we said that um, to be thankful is to be on that path. Um, and so is this related? I would say definitely. Uh, especially when we talked about the types of people who are on the straight path. We said like the Siddiqeen, the Shuhada, the Salihin, the people of truth, the people who, who live the practice, and then the people who are upright. I would include all of those people here. Yeah. Absolutely. Good insight. And so, so then, let's see. Going to the whiteboard. Once again, can you all see the whiteboard? Yes. Okay, very good. So we're saying when I make right choices, that it's going to strengthen my heart. I'm getting rewarded. Angels support me. But then even the reward. So we're taught you're getting rewarded 10 to 700 times for doing something upright. And that may or may not include the people that I have inspired unintentionally or intentionally. So let's say, you know, we're doing this class, I'm teaching you all this class, and then you get inspired outside of the 30 to 60 minutes of class to study Quran more. So then, inshallah, I get rewarded for that. And then all the people that have inspired my Islam over the years, they get rewarded for that also. You know, so whether they're talking about my parents, 
you know, or or Sunday school teachers, what have you. So what does it mean for angels to support you? So now there's so, so angels are coming down speaking to you. And the easiest way to understand that is to understand the opposite. So, so we're going to call it a corrupt choice or a wrong choice. And the first part is in the lead up to the choice, you'll often have two forces that are trying to get you to, to do the wrong choice. One is shaitan. What's the other voice? Your nafs, exactly. Your nafs. Right, so we're in Ramadan, shaitan is locked up, but believe it or not, some people are still doing wrong things. So, so shaitan, how does shaitan affect you? Shaitan essentially puts ideas in your heart. So imagine he's putting a thousand ideas in your heart of wrong behavior, hoping one sticks. And then on top of that, we're taught that when you were born, Shaitan assigned a jinn to stay with you. It's called a harin. And so there's a jinn that stays with you to figure out all your strengths and weaknesses. And of course, you know, the fun story is the prophet, peace be upon him, is teaching this to the companions and the companions ask him, even you, you have one of these jinns? And he says, yes, but, but what? Subdued him. Yeah, mine became Muslim. Because <laughs> that's the prophet, peace be upon him, mashallah. Okay, so Shaitan is especially of those thousands of things that he's trying to tempt you with. It's already targeted specifically for you, hoping something sticks in that moment. Okay. And what is he doing? He's putting almost like a small unit of thought in your heart. Hoping something stays. But then on top of that, you have your base appetite that is then compelling you to do something. Now, how can you tell if something is coming from shaitan or your nafs? One is that if you say, A'udhu billahi min shaitan rajim that type of very subtle, sick exhilaration that the devil's giving you should get knocked away. When it's something that's coming from your nafs, it's going to try to fulfill it no matter what. It's going to try to get you to do it yeah. one way or the other. So let's say uh, you are, um, you know, let's say you, uh, okay, uh, I'm trying to think of some easy wrong behavior to talk about. Okay, let's say, you know, you're someone who is trying to abstain, abstain from drinking alcohol, but you have a history with alcohol and you know you're not supposed to do it both for your health reasons, both for religious reasons and all that. Shaitan's like, do it, do it, do it, right? Billah that thrill of exhilaration that Shaitan's putting in your mind is going to go away. But your baser appetite is going to give you excuses. Yeah, you should do this. One drink is not too bad. Or you should do this. Red wine is actually pretty good for your heart. And you start rationalizing and coming up with all types of different excuses. That's your nuff talking. So, so I mean, it's iftar in like five minutes. Yeah, Sh Shaitan is, uh, is a suggestion, right? And... Uh... And compulsion is your psychological or, or bodily or whatever the compulsions are, they are associated with nafs. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a hesitant to use the word compulsion, but yes, I would use suggestion for, for shaitan. Uh, I'm trying to think of a different word than compulsion, more like a, a attraction or something, but it's an active voice. 
So then you do the the corrupt action. What happens? Shaitan runs away. So you do it, and the thrill was very fleeting. You had the thrill, the benefit, the joy. But then there's also this really subtle emptiness because Shaitan has gone away. And then you are going to be held to account. Held to account for it. And you're also weakening your heart. And again, what do we mean by strengthening or weakening your heart? In terms of your heart remaining upright and preferring good behavior. When you do good, you are strengthening it. When you do bad, you are uh, you are weakening it. But then you can follow it up with an upright choice like forgiveness. or more corruption. And a way to think about this is that if you do wrong and you regret it and you seek forgiveness for it, and we can talk later about like the tests for forgiveness to see if you're being sincere, uh, then perhaps you had to go through that event to make you grow. If, however, you do wrong, and then you do more wrong, then it's punishment. But the key point we're making here is the consequences of upright or corrupt behavior. And there's more. For example, if I inspire people to do wrong, especially if I invent a wrong behavior. So there's these Hadith narrations where the Prophet, peace be upon him, is saying that... uh, uh, the son of Adam is going to have a sh- share in every single murder everyone commits because he did the first murder. So Cain, who kills Abel, Abel, who kills Abel, he is going to have a share because he invented or introduced this crime of murder, of bloodshed. Every murder that happens forever, he's going to have a share in that. Had he sought forgiveness? You know, had he had the capacity for forgiveness, seeking forgiveness, that might have been a different thing. But uh, when we introduce wrong, I mean, I don't know how many wrongs we can introduce of all the wrongs that are available, but the point is that we would have a share in those. But if you inspire people to do a bad that you yourself has done, you may or may not be held to account. Seems we have multiple narrations. If you inspire people to do good, you will get rewarded for it. But if you do a bad and someone else gets inspired to do a bad, you may or may not be held to account for also inspiring them. Unless you invented it, then you definitely hold it. Uh, you're definitely held to account. Okay. So let me go uh, look, look, catch up on these questions. Um, uh, let's see. Peace in the heart and calmness. I forgot what that refers to. Nafs Qadeen. Uh, Shala, you're saying, so that's only in the Hadith, right? Um, what are you, do you remember what you're referring to when you type that? The Qareen. Oh, yeah, that's in the, that's in the Hadith literature. Uh, I don't know if any inference in the Quran to it. Qareen. Yeah. 
And then, uh, Jewel, to your question, uh, jinn jin aren't all Muslim. Jinns have uh, their own religions as well. So you'll have Muslim jinns, Christian jinns, Jewish jinns, Hindu jinns, so forth and so on. And thus you'll have jinns that are minions of shaitan, and then jinns who are upright. So a lot of times in the process of an exorcism, the exorcist will be evaluating the strength and stubbornness of the jinn that is possessing the possessed and we'll try to get the jinn to con in some types of exorcism the jinn will try to get the exorcist will try to get the jinn to convert to islam and then to to leave in most types of exorcism the exorcist will threaten to kill the jinn to make the jinn go away but the idea is that if you get them to convert to islam then they'll be more upright and then why does shaitan necessarily run away that's essentially his his whole tactic you know uh Shala, you had a question So um, just to maybe clarify the diagram a little bit more. Um, so isn't there like a third force, like you have shaitan and nafs. So Qareen is another arrow that could potentially sway you that way. So I would include within shaitan, I would include, you know, right? the, the dark master himself, as well as all of his minions. And, and so primarily shaitan. Okay. Yeah. I mean, in terms of what specifically the Qareen why, does. Why is Nafs? Oh, oh sorry. Oh, I, I was saying, in terms of what the Qareen specifically does, uh, I don't have too much knowledge of that, but it seems more like the Qareen is just making the list. Okay, here's here's Muzaffar's weaknesses, and then Shaitan's jumping in to do all the tempting. So just as a follow-up, um, why, is, why is the Nafs necessarily a negative influence? So, okay, this is a really good question. Um, yeah, keep going with your question. Well, I mean, nafs, what's the translation in English? So nafs is... Of nafs. Isn't self. it like soul or self? Okay, self. So uh, so it may or may not be the same as soul. So in some uh, in some texts, soul and self are looked at as the same. In other texts, ruh is used for soul, whereas nafs is used for self. And it's related to breathing. So one of the fascinating things of the human experience is the fact that your heart is working uh, independent of you and your breathing is working independent of you. Yeah. So, so the word, so it's related to the sim, uh, similar word. And, and so then there are two schools here. School one is you have three, uh, three types of nafs. One is the nafs al-amara, which I'm gonna call the commanding self. This is the voice that's always basically just saying, feed me. So, this is the voice that when your alarm is going on, this is the voice that says, okay, hit snooze, sleep for five more minutes. Or you had, you know, a delicious samosa for iftar. This is the voice that's saying, eat another one, even though you don't really need it. Okay, so it's always just saying, feed me. Or you need to buy something. Or you need to get say this thing to get more attention. 
And this is usually what people are speaking about when they're talking about the nafs. So Judy, this would be sort of what people are speaking to when they're talking about the ego. But in this other school, you also have the conscience, nafsalawama, which is evaluating everything according to right or wrong. And then you have the self, that aspect of you that is seeking peace, nafsul mutma'inna, And it's evaluating everything according to how much tranquility it's gonna give you. So one school is that these are three different voices. Why? Because these are three, these are three different nafs that are mentioned in the Quran. But they're not mentioned together, they're mentioned literally in three different surahs. Another school, and they don't contradict. Another school is that <clears throat> these are three levels of spiritual maturity. So this would be, uh, this is often called the animal, where you're driven by your appetites. And then a higher level is the human, where you're evaluating things according to right and wrong. And then a higher level, the mutzma inna is the angel. And this is a person who is truly in peace. In peace primarily with what? Primarily with Allah, which means that by extension, you're at peace with everything else. And then some people add a lower level. And this is the person in chaos, nafsal malhama. So these are two different schools. Now, the way to think about them not contradicting each other is that whichever voice on the left you listen to more, that one gets stronger. So if I listen to my base appetite, that's the one that I'm commonly referring to as my nafs in these other screens. So let's say, let's add that. Commonly called. If I'm listening to that, to the point that I'm crossing boundaries of health, then it's a problem. I Meaning if I'm hitting snooze, in general, it's not really a problem. Although I might be irritating everybody else with the sound of my alarm. But it's gonna keep saying, feed me, feed me, feed me for the entirety of your life. And exactly, so what you feed grows. And so if I keep listening to that voice of right and wrong, that becomes stronger which could mean that, yes, I start out with restraint, but it could mean that I start becoming very rigid. So each of the three on the left can also have an extreme version, meaning I listen to my base appetites for everything, everything just becomes a matter of fulfilling my, my appetites. And then the second one is, yeah, I think Judy, this is what you're referring to as the boxy Muslim. 
This is the person who's evaluating everything according to right and wrong to the point that everything becomes black and white. And this, the extremism here is that they become super rigid. And the self, the person seeking peace is evaluating everything according to how much tranquility it'll get them. And they become really passive and useless. And that's another type of extremism. So to answer your first question, the nuts correct is not automatically bad. The ideal of the left column is that you have them all in harmony, that you Im invoke whichever one is appropriate for a given time. But disharmony is when you're listening to one overwhelmingly more than the other two. And then as you do that, that's when you go up and down the, the list on the right. Okay. Any other questions? So it looks like Judy, I unintentionally answered your question, but uh, if we have more to it, we can also discuss. Any other questions about choices about hypocrites and such? Okay, so we have finished the discussion on hypocrisy. And next I is 17 through 20, which we'll do tomorrow, starting tomorrow, inshallah, we're starting, we're going to get into metaphors of the people that we just talked about, the people of hypocrisy, the people of Kufr, and the people of Taqwa. Okay, very good. If there are no other questions, we will stop right here. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika, nashhadu la ilaha illa anta, nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika, nashhadu la ilaha illa anta, nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma, glory to you, O Allah, wa bihamdika, praise and gratitude are to you. Nashhadu la ilaha illa anta, we bear witness, there is no God but you. Nastaghfiruka, we seek your forgiveness, wa natubu ilayk, and we turn to you. Okay, may Allah tell reward you all, inshallah, and we will continue next time, tomorrow. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.